Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Meg Bond. Meg has been self-employed for over 27 years as both an event coordinator and a residential stager organizer. These businesses, both of which have business Facebook pages, are titled Events by Meg and Staging by Meg. As a child, at nine years old, she began organizing events for her friends, and that has continued to this day. In 1990, after moving back to the East Coast from Arizona, she began her first business, the Suburban Adventure Club. For 17 years, she ran this business full-time, planning and running an average of 15-plus events per month for the people to participate in. Everything from theater shows, dinner nights, weekend and week-long trips, to weekly volleyball games, Red Sox games, day hikes, and much, much more. Event coordination has led to her overseeing many weddings and also business meetings, including a 400-person event hosted by a nonprofit in Lowell, featuring Governor Charlie Baker as the keynote speaker. After helping friends and family organize and rearrange their homes over the years, she became a certified stager for the real estate market in 2013. Staging is the process of setting up a residence to be the most appealing to prospective buyers. Meg not only stages properties that are going up for sale, but also helps families and individuals organize their cluttered homes and unpack and set up their new homes. If it needs to be organized, Meg is your go-to person for the job. Meg, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. You are a bit different than our standard guests, but one of my big interests has always been in organizing and organizing usually a large group of people, as well as I've certainly done a lot of event planning with fundraising over the years. I just wanted to find out a little bit more about your your interest in cats and maybe tell us a little bit about the cat that you have. I, of course, I have the best cat in the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got her from the MSPCA about four years ago. She was approximately five years old. Her name is Sabrina. She came with that name. And she just immediately at the MSPCA was all over us. So loving. She loves people. The doorbell rings and she runs to the top of the stairs to see who's coming in. She's that, I call her my dog cat because (laughs) she doesn't run away. She actually runs to you. I've had cats my whole life. um, Well, since high school, many different cats. So I enjoy their company. And to me, they're very easy to take care of. And sometimes when I'm traveling, she even comes for car rides for me and doesn't mind it that much. It's really been a wonderful experience to have her around and I enjoy the company. You have so much experience in event coordination. I have worked with over 80 different nonprofit organizations around the country. And I've certainly answered quite a few emails from from other folks who are running organizations. And I'd have to say, probably event coordination is one of the scariest things that they all face in their efforts of raising money. If you were embarking, and it sounds like you do have some experience working with some nonprofits, embarking on consulting or working with an organization, thinking about launching an event, what sort of advice would you give them? 
Well, it's good to have your, your team lined up. Definitely volunteers make a huge difference in a successful event. And I have had the experience for many, many years, both in my own event planning and for businesses and nonprofits overseeing a team of people, both volunteers and hired staff in order to pull things together. A lot of it is about list making too, and just making sure you've got all the details down, looking ahead to see what is necessary, thinking through the entire event and every little problem or issue that could come up to make sure that you're ready for everything. But I sort of go through my checklist of items and make sure I've got got it all covered before we, we delve in. And when you work with a committee and making your list, If you're starting a brand new event that you've never done before, I would assume you would search the internet or else in many cases with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society's Furball or Strut for Strays, we oftentimes have a lot of representatives from other groups who come to our events just to see sort of how we do it and try and learn from others. Would you recommend that a group does that before sort of leaping into the pond? Absolutely, especially if it's something that you've a type of event that you've never done before. To be able to attend someone else's event and and glean ideas from that is an excellent way to go. A lot of people tell me I have really creative creative ideas, and most of the time I've kind of stolen those from other people. <laughs> it's it's a matter of of learning, you know, always experiencing new things and learning and growing and sort of putting those into your your bag of tools for your future activities. So definitely getting ideas from from other events, other people, no matter what it is, whether it's a fundraiser or even a wedding or any kind of social event, it all works the same way when you get down to the basics of it. You made an interesting point. I mean, here you've said you're, you've been in the business for a long time, but yet you're still out there trying to find out new ideas. And another conversation that comes up with organizations that have run events for quite a few years is worrying about that event getting stale. So it seems like we're always in a process of rediscovery or trying to always refresh our events because they lose their fundraising capacities if they stay just the same, if your checklist stays sort of static the whole time. Yes, yes. And I certainly over the years, especially running my, my social events club, there were a number of events that repeated throughout the year. Of course, we we're always adding new ones, but I was always trying to come up with fresh new ideas to make the club's annual birthday party, which was a big dance event, you know, have some new theme, that sort of thing, trying to keep it exciting and fresh and new so that people would want to keep showing up. One of the programs that we have at the Community Cats podcast are the Community Cats Grants. We're working with very small groups and we're getting them to start doing a new fundraiser that they have never done before. And the Community Cats Grants will match up to $1,000 of funds raised that they raise in a three-month period with, with the new event. So this is brand new to them. Many of them are doing a small auction or they're doing a matching gift campaign or they're creating items and selling them at various fairs. If you're trying to start something new, what would your tips be for the the, the jump start? Well, everything you mentioned sounds like it's pretty diverse in terms of getting going on fundraising. It's a, uh, I think I might be at a loss for words on this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> even just looking again, searching the internet and looking for fresh ideas in terms of getting out there and getting getting it all started. 
Right. Figuring out those new ways to, to put something fresh and new in front of people's eyes that will keep them interested and involved or want to be involved if they aren't already. So don't be afraid of doing a brainstorming session to start out and then look and see maybe who's sitting around the room and figuring out who's got the skills to be able to pull off a different event. I am not one to create cat toys. I do not do needle and thread at all, but there are quite a few people out there that can crochet these great kitty balls and make great fish and pillows and all that other stuff and, you know, make thousands and thousands of dollars on these items. And that one's just not for me. So if I was sitting in the room, I would not be putting my hand up for that fundraiser. Right. right. Well, I'm all about networking and no matter what area you're looking at to find people's talents and skills that is definitely the way to go. If you aren't capable of it yourself, then you must know somebody who is capable of it or, you know, it's sort of six degrees of separation, except it never gets to six degrees. It's usually within two or three degrees. You can find someone who has the skill or talent that will add value to your event. So I want to sort of uh, change the subject over to organizing a little bit here. Many of the folks that know me from the Adoption Center know that I very oftentimes would go through sort of these organizational fits at our Adoption Center and really try in a place for everything and everything in its place was always sort of my mantra. But yet we had a group of 50 volunteers and eight staff members in and out of a very small building along with living with 50 cats in that building too. What are your key organizational tips when you first walk in and and meet a client and want to work with them? Talk to them about what their overall goals are. And usually they'll say something to the effect of, I just want it organized. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I tend to walk through the space the entire space the first time through and, and see what they have and, and find the kingpin, that's the one thing that I generally start off by saying is you need to find the kingpin to what is holding you up from getting all of this space organized. For example, I was helping a woman organize her entire home and we started in her kitchen. We walked through her home office. Her She had a recording studio in her basement, but she kept talking about things. She said, oh, this needs to go here and in this room, but there's no room in this room and this one needs to go here. We finally figured out the shed in her backyard was the kingpin. She needed to get the shed organized before she could move certain things along in her house, some things that needed to go in the shed to create more space for things that needed to go in that room. So it's finding that one area that is sort of holding up the show for you. It's like you have to start at the bottom and work your way back, even though you might think that the the main area, the main room you walk into first is where it's all where it all has to begin. A lot of times it doesn't begin there. It has to begin someplace else that's sort of hidden away, but you've got to create space to move things along. The other tip that I give people uh, just to get started, because most people have a tough time just getting going in the first place, I'll say set an alarm for 20 minutes, shut off all your devices, and most people can wrap their brain around 20 minutes and just focus on doing one little project for that 20 minutes. And if you're on a roll, when the timer goes off, then keep going. 
But if at the end of 20 minutes, you're like, okay, I've had enough, then move on. But a lot of times just knowing that you only have to do something for 20 minutes is enough to get you motivated to start the project. Those are great tips. And I will share with you that the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society has three sheds. (laughs) (laughs) That might be where you need to start. (laughs) Get the sheds organized first and then everything else will move along into place. Ever feel like you are overwhelmed by all the paperwork for your community cats? On Thursday, February 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, we are holding a webinar about cat stats, a free database tool that will help keeping track of your colonies easy to do. To sign up, check out communitycatspodcast.com or email stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com. Are you swamped with miscellaneous papers and notebooks with details about the cats in your colonies? It's hard to keep track of all the details. Do you get a headache whenever your TNR coordinator asks you for paperwork that they need for their program? Cat Stats is the ultimate TNR program management tool that will reduce your stress. Set up your own online cat colony database and track colonies and caretakers in your service area. Mapping and automated requests for help are also featured. Designed by Neighborhood Cats, Cat Stats is available at no cost to animal welfare organizations. Cat Stats has an easy to use interface and all of the information is protected and private. We want to help you spend less time on paperwork and more time helping cats. Check out this free tool at catstats.org, C-A-T-S-T-A-T-S dot O-R-G, brought to you by Neighborhood Cats. The other thing that we talked a little bit about before we started recording, too, are organizing paperwork and paperwork challenges. Do you recommend people do like an annual going through all your paperwork so you can shred your old car insurance policies or the things that are annual, but you don't need to keep them from 10 years back. Do you recommend doing that once a year or once every six months? Definitely. Uh, Once a year is is probably fine. And a lot of tax documents, whether they're personal or business related, you're supposed to keep for a certain number of years. I always tell people to go ahead and check the IRS websites. There's other websites out there where you can find out exactly how long you should keep particular documents. But once a year is great to go through and clean out those files. A lot of times when I'm helping people clean out their files, there are things in there from, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago, and definitely don't need to be hanging on to those. And if you have too many items to shred in just a little home shredder all at once, there are places that will shred for you. I believe even places like Staples and Office Max will do that. And I know that my my bank personally occasionally has a big shredding truck pull into the parking lot and anybody can come with a box of papers and toss it in there. It's a great way to get rid of them. Sometimes they even have fundraisers. Some businesses will pull up their truck and you can it'll be like a fundraiser for an organization based on the amount of paper that's brought in. Yeah. So if you're a really big organization or really connected to a lot of papers, that might be something to explore even as a fundraiser. In your ideal or when you work with people, do you believe in labeling things? One of the problems that happened when I would always go into our shelter and I'd have my sort of cleaning rage and our back room would be so full you couldn't walk through it and all that stuff. And so I'd kind of go crazy is after that, nobody would know where anything was because I had put stuff away. 
And we had some labeling, but not not a lot. Are you a big fan of using labels? I am. I am definitely. And whether it's your bathroom closet or your file cabinets or home offices, that sort of thing, definitely labeling things or even clothing. If you're putting, you know, swapping out clothing, winter, summer, putting labels on everything is a great way, great way to go and stay organized and focused. And that way also when the next person that's coming along, especially in an office to put things away, it's just that much easier for them to figure out where that piece of paper is supposed to go or that item is supposed to go. A couple of other tips that I have heard that I would be interested to get your opinion of. I mean, you can tip yourself till you're crazy and then you get yourself so stuck you're not doing anything. I have heard if you don't use something for six months or a year, you should obviously get rid of it. Is that a belief that you have? Yes. there. Well, and there's certain items that you might only use once or twice a year. So those should be kept in a place, obviously not in your main space, but farther packed away somewhere, but where they're still accessible and you know where they are so they don't get lost in the basement, the attic or whatever, the back, the back storage room, the back, one of your three sheds. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to know where those once a year items are. Certainly if you've got things hanging around that you're only, maybe you pulled out once in three years, maybe it's time to pass that along, donate it or just throw it out if it's not something that anybody else is ever going to want to use either. But people use a lot of things. It's surprising. <laughs> right, right. I, I I recently moved about three and a half years ago, and I did a real purging of, of items. And it actually felt quite good. I have to say, for me, I felt really good to be a bit lighter in terms of the amount of stuff I had. So I would think after working with a client, they would feel pretty good at the end of the day or the week or the month. Absolutely. And it it takes long. It takes a long time to clean out. You realize that when you move, especially how much stuff you have and how long it takes to pack it up. But yes, most clients that I, that I work with helping them organize, we set it up on either a weekly or once every two week basis where I come in for maybe three to four, sometimes five hours at a time. And we work, focus on a, on an area to clean that out and reorganize it, set it back up. So it's easy to work with. So it takes, it's a process. It really is a process. And then there is the counseling on sort of the prevention of having the new stuff enter in. Like one thing that I, when I moved that I put was like my recycling box is right almost by our door that we enter into our house. So when I have the mail, I just go through the mail right there and anything that needs to be recycled goes right in my recycling box right then and there, rather than having it walk all the way up to my office and then me go through it and put it in a box in my office. And then I have to carry it back downstairs again, which I'll probably do, you know, a month and a half later. Some of the things that I've heard is they reference like the Sunday box or something where you put stuff in one box and you deal with it at a set time one day a week rather than getting yourself distracted so you can focus on really solid projects at other times. Right. And that's another great 20 minute project. If you're doing that, you you once a week, pull out that box of items that you need to deal with and just say, okay, I can get through this in 20 minutes if I really focus and, and your junk mail going right in the recycling bin. That is excellent too. I do that as well. I 
bring the mail in and stand right over the recycling bin, and toss it right in so I don't have to look at it again, handle it once. <laughs> right, exactly. So if there were any shelters or rescues or folks that are interested in having one-on-one help, how could people find you? They can reach me by email or phone or the two best ways. My phone, which is my cell, which is also my business line, is area code 978-337-4444. Very easy to remember, 978-337-4444. And my email is meg, M-E-G, at eventsbymeg.com. Events is plural. So meg at eventsbymeg.com. And as you mentioned at the beginning in my bio, I do have two business Facebook pages, Events by Meg and Staging by Meg. So they can check those out, like those pages as well. But the fastest way to reach me is email or phone. That's great. Meg, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I just want to thank you so much for having me on. This was wonderful. And I would be more than happy to help anyone out there who needs some help getting organized. I No task is too big. A lot of people say they're embarrassed to have me come see their mess. But I look at, at it as a wonderful challenge because when it's all done and clean and organized, it's so rewarding at the end. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I look forward to having you on again in the future. Wonderful. Thank you, Stacy. Have a wonderful day. Do you have the perfect selfie with you and one of your cats to share with us for Valentine's Day? Submit your photos to our My Feline Valentine contest and enter to win prizes. A $50 Amazon gift card, books from New York Times bestselling author Cheryl Richardson. Cheryl Richardson's team will be judging the selfies to determine who should win a prize. Winners will be announced on March 8th. As we get submissions, we will also be sharing some of our best photos on our Facebook page, so keep a lookout there. Check out communitycatspodcast.com to find out how to submit your selfie.